not fear the one and only Tucker Carlson. He's here, right here, right now. Buck up, it's going to get better. Hello, welcome to Tucker It Out. I'm Troy. And I'm Tyler. And this is a podcast where we talk about serial defamer Tucker Carlson. Tyler, how do you feel about defamation? Um, I feel like it's something that rich people say when someone's mean to them on Twitter and they and they wish people would go to jail for it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, often how we see these things play out. And, and frankly, I, I wish that we could clear out all these ridiculous lawsuits so there could be room for my, my lawsuit about uh, the structure of time having done violence to me today, stealing an hour of my life. <laughs> Oh, yeah, me too. In the dead of morning. (laughs) (laughs) Like, regardless of whatever we say at the end of this, our sworn enemy is daily at savings time. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, uh, our other sworn enemy is Tucker Carlson. And um, today I wanted to do an episode focusing a little bit on, um, to start out with, we're going to look at Tucker's coverage of Biden's Supreme Court nominee, Katanji Brown-Jackson. Um, this is the nominee to replace Justice Stephen Breyer, who has announced his retirement. Um, okay. And uh, it, Tucker has had had a bit to say on his show about Judge Brown-Jackson that we're going to we're gonna take a look at here, go through some of his claims with the fine-tooth comb, so to speak. And then after that, I wanted to um, talk about some of the court cases that have bedeviled Tucker and Fox News in recent years, and uh, including an ongoing one and Tucker's, uh, Tucker's involvement in it. And then I also have uh, a, a, little, a little segment at the end that we'll tie things off with. But off the bat here, let's go ahead and get started with how Tucker has talked so far about Katanji Brown-Jackson. So oh, why do I have a feeling it's not kindly? <laughs> yeah, and we, we we talked a bit last week about Tucker's uh, troublesome relationship with women of color. Um, yeah, and uh, so spoiler alert that remains consistent in his behavior. Okay, um, a lot of people so probably, surprised. Like it's something that got picked up in a lot of media. A lot of people have probably seen uh, Tucker was demanding to see her LSAT scores. Um, what? <laughs> he wanted proof that she was one of the top legal minds in the country. So he's like, let's see her LSAT scores. and Because, you know, a, a 30-year-old test score is really going to make or break uh, how he feels about this nominee, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was literally feeling depressed yesterday and was looking up what the average ACT scores were. And then... To, so that I could know if I should feel good about myself or not. And then, <laughs> and then while I was scrolling through the list, I'm like, this is the stupidest thing ever. Yeah, it's it's incredibly dumb. Also incredibly dumb is looking at a, uh, uh, a well-accomplished uh, legal scholar and demanding that she show her papers for you to think that she's valid for a position she's been nominated for. Um, well, she's not a white man, so obviously <laughs> she needs to show her credentials. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, think of all the white men who got passed up in favor of this of this nomination. Who's gonna Who's gonna stand up for them? 
I personally uh, think we need more sex offenders on the Supreme Court. So <laughs> if we could find an, if we could find another white man who has just like openly and obviously raped someone. Yeah, I mean, and, and Tucker doesn't even like Brett Kavanaugh anymore, so he he, he needs a new sex offender to champion. I think that's what he's oh, really man. upset about. <laughs> um, and and w- one of the things that's funny here, and uh, this is pointed out, we, we are going to go over the claims that Tucker in particular makes about Katanji Brown Jackson. But if you want a, a, a more thorough overview of, of Judge Brown Jackson's career and some of the disingenuous lines of attack that you'll see leveled against her, uh, from from places outside of Tucker. I definitely recommend listening to the Opening Arguments podcast's episode about her. Um, they, they, they did a really good job giving an overview of her qualifications for this position and some of the things that we're likely to hear as this nomination process heats up and um, billions of dollars of Coke-like money pours in to try and derail her nomination. And, and, and one of the things that Andrew on Opening Arguments pointed out Katanji Brown Jackson's credentials look almost identical to Neil Gorsuch's. Like they have essentially the same background. And weirdly enough, Tucker wow. did not demand to see Neil Gorsuch's papers. That's very strange. I wonder. I wonder what could be different about uh, about Neil Gorsuch and Katanji Brown Jackson. It's an enigma wrapped in a, wrapped in a mystery. We'll never know the answer. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's. Uh, we we can get started here. Um, so this first clip is from. February 25th, I got the sense that they had planned to dedicate more time in the show to Judge Brown Jackson, but then there was an invasion. Because um, Tucker opens the show with a little bit of a teaser about her, but then he doesn't get back to it until a bit later. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Let's say you really didn't care about the country you leave. Let's say you wanted to humiliate and degrade it and undermine its ancient institutions. What would you do? Well, you might take the single most important appointed position in the entire government and announce in public that you were filling that position on the basis of appearance, not on the basis of skill or wisdom or fealty to the founding documents of the United States, but on the basis of the way the person looks. So it's not a question of saying we found the most qualified person who happens to look this way. What you're saying is we found a person who looks this way, who, by the way, may be qualified. That was a very clear message that you don't like the country you run and you don't care about the institutions that its ancestors built. And Joe Biden is doing that. We'll have details straight ahead. All right. So he is not yet uh, referenced her directly, but he's kind of building up the general atmosphere of what his what his tone will be. He literally just said is qualified. And is mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and in particular, what he's talking about is that when Justice Breyer announced his retirement, um, Biden said that he was going to put a black woman on the Supreme Court. And so that got Tucker all up in a tizzy. He's like, it, well, why would you only consider it on the basis of their race and gender? Why would you not just look for the person who is the most qualified? Why would you only accept someone who was merely qualified? What the? <laughs> right. it, the goal has never been to find the most qualified person, even in even in things that are less important than this. Like when when employers are looking to hire someone, it's like they're not looking for the best person. Period. They're looking for the best person they can find, they can afford. You know, it's things like you know, it's just yeah, and, the, and somebody who's the complete made-up standard that Tucker's using, <laughs> yeah, and like somebody who's going to fit the culture and like it, 
yeah. fit what you want, what you want for the position. Like it's, and Supreme Court, because Supreme Court appointments have never just been about finding the most qualified judge. Because like, what does that even mean? You know, like, it, right? What is the best judge in the country? How do you quantify that? Yeah, it's, yeah. I have a feeling I know how Tucker would quantify that. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's always like when when Reagan nominated Robert Bork, it wasn't because he was uh, they, they had done some mathematical calculation and been like we can definitively say this guy is the number one judge who's ever lived. It was because he was a a, a hardcore originalist and would have taken the court in a in a right wing direction, which is what the Reagan administration wanted. Like this is not a new thing. Um. Yeah, and that's and, exactly what Trump did with his three fucking appointments. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, and as we'll see, that's not even a perfect analogy to Robert Bork because Katanji Brown Jackson is not is not like a hard ideologue. She's not entirely an ideological appointment. When when Biden comes out and says I'm going to put a black woman on the Supreme Court because there's never been one before, it, it's not saying I'm going to pick somebody who isn't qualified. It's saying like there is a a historically underrepresented and marginalized group in America that uh, I, I want to have represented in in a high office in government because, like, that's important to to some people. I would argue it's important for everyone. Since we live in a democracy, we should be represented by the people who make our laws. Yes, yeah, and like the idea that th- this has to somehow be sacrificing the most qualified person, like you. You couldn't possibly have gone with the most qualified person if you're only looking at black women. You, you could easily flip that and say like, oh, hey, there's never been a black woman on the Supreme Court. That means there's an entire talent pool we've never used. There must be some really qualified people in there who who have never gotten a shot before, you know? So it, right off the bat here, Tucker's argument is is disingenuous. Um, and so when he gets back to it on later in Friday's show on the 25th, he uh, he he drills into this this line of argument a little bit deeper. So Joe Biden has a Supreme Court vacancy to fill. Now, imagine if it had unfolded this way. If Joe Biden had said, look, this is the most serious appointed position in the U.S. government. It's obviously someone who's going to define life in this country to some great extent. And so we're going to pick someone who's the smartest we can find, who's the most deeply grounded in the founding documents, the Constitution, Bill of Rights, and someone who has impressive character. And that person is an African-American woman. And most people in this country say, great. He went about it backward. He said, I'm picking an African-American woman. I'm picking someone on the basis of their appearance for the most serious appointment I have. Now, maybe she's great. That's not the point. The point is she was picked because of how she looks. So what does that tell you? Not about the nominee, but about Joe Biden. It tells you that he is absolutely happy to defile a system built by other people over hundreds of years. That is the best system in the history of the world. And he's happy to destroy it. Doesn't care at all. It's it's a weird that there's never like there's never been a black woman on the Supreme Court in a system that was built by slave owners. Biden has no respect for that system. <laughs> what a what an asshole. I mean, how how could we respect a man who who doesn't prop up the institutions of slavers? <laughs> and, and like to, to be clear, and we'll unpack this as we go, but Katanji Brown Jackson is just as qualified like she has she has credentials that meet or exceed anyone who has ever been on the Supreme Court. She graduated top of her class at Harvard Law School uh, the same year as Ted Cruz, by the way. D- during her time at Harvard, she wrote under the Harvard Law Review 
She got three federal clerkships. She ended up clerking for uh, Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. And then she, she th- this is interesting to me. She worked as a public defender for several years. So she would be the only person. Yeah. yeah, right. So she would be the only person on the Supreme Court with any experience in defending poor and marginalized people. From there, she, she went on to the um, U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, where she served for about a decade. And uh, about a year ago, was appointed to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. If, if you're looking for somebody who uh, is qualified, has a breadth of experience, like she's qualified. And like, if you're going to come at me complaining about qualifications, I didn't hear you bitching about Amy Coney Barrett. So fuck right off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there isn't. Okay, sorry. Hold on. Before before we move off of this, um, Ketanji Brown uh, sounds like an absolute fucking badass. There was a, there was an interview somewhere. the The guys at the Federalist were interviewing, and they said they literally just gave Trump a list of of judges that they like, and he just pulled straight from that list. He didn't like. If you're going to whine about credentials, whine about the guy who knew literally nothing about the people he was nominating, except for they were on the list that the that my friends gave me. <laughs> you're totally on the money there. And that's the thread I wanted to pull on, too, as we go through this. And then Amy Coney Barrett was probably just the first woman on the list because he's like, oh, a woman died. We better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. that was such bullshit. Like, oh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, so I'm going to appoint a woman to honor her memory. Okay, fuck off. I'm going to appoint Amy Coney Barrett. The antithesis of (laughs) everything that RBG stood for. Um, Yeah, so then at this point, Tucker, uh, he's like, this isn't just me, guys. Lots of people are mad about this. A new poll by Fox shows that 57% of voters think it is, quote, inappropriate for the president to consider only African-American women for his first nomination to the Supreme Court. Well, of course it is, or any group, because it's not about the group. It's not about what color or what gender. It's about choosing by appearance, which are relevant criteria for this or any other job, except perhaps modeling. This job is really simple. You interpret law against the constitution is it constitutional or not but that's not even a consideration yeah so that that poll he's referring to it asked two questions about the nomination the first was um do, do you support appointing a black woman to the supreme court to which 66 percent of respondents said yes and then the follow-up question was do you think it's appropriate for the president to only consider black women in choosing a supreme court nominee and 57 percent said that that was inappropriate um loaded question much right yeah that's i i would say that's probably like it's not the most egregious phrasing i've ever seen on a poll but it's not it's not great it's certainly a leading question yeah there he's like this job is very simple you interpret the law against the constitution like okay if it's that simple then why are you so butthurt about whether or not this person is the most qualified in the country i know he's lying but like the thing about the Constitution is that it can be interpreted in different ways, but Tucker thinks that the Constitution agrees with him. So interpreting the Constitution is interpreting it the way I interpreted it. Yeah. Yeah. And- but that's what but that's what everyone who appoints a judge wants. They they want someone who's interpreting it the way they and they interpret it. And that's that's what originalism usually is. It's that the, the correct way to interpret the Constitution is whatever I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was very deliberately written 
to be open to interpretation in a lot of ways before they finished it they um they're like hey we should make this amendable so they added 10 amendments to it and they were like you can do this too like you can you can just add stuff and strike stuff out it's fine i I looked into it a while ago we used to get new amendments like all the time and then they just stopped like 30 years ago or 50 years ago or something we're done now we got it right y'all but like we used to get one like every 10 years or something and then and now it's been like 40 or 50 years or something let me see if i can find the the list um okay so 1992 was the last one is that am i reading this right yeah completed 1992 and then before that it was 1971 so there was a like a 20 year gap but then it was 67 64 61 51 it's like every like 10 to 15 years we're getting a new a new amendment and then in like since 1971 we've had we've had one it makes sense that it would change sometimes because the world changes <laughs> yeah like like every day changes um and so then uh at this point we get tucker's first I, I label this as first lie, um, but what he says is technically true. He's just being incredibly deeply disingenuous with his presentation of it. So Biden announced he's going to nominate Kentaji Brown Jackson, someone who's been an appellate judge for less than a year to the highest court in the country. How insulting is this? Yeah, so she's been an appellate judge for less than a year, Tyler. How dare you appoint her to the Supreme Court with that little experience? Um, except that prior to her, uh, her appointment to the, the, the circuit court of appeals, she had a decade of service on the U S district court for the district of Columbia, which by the way, is a more prestigious court than Neil Gorsuch served on. So, <laughs> so get fucked, Neil. Um, okay. Um, also, okay. Did he, did I just, was he just being slurry or did he, um, did he mispronounce her name? Oh, he, he does. He, he doesn't know how to say it right in this day so every he puts like an extra he i think he, he i think he puts the n in the wrong place yeah doesn't know how to say it yeah it does the same thing he does to every woman of color and just mispronounces her name like an asshole yeah and and like the way it the way it reads to me with this one because he often just mispronounces names on purpose to be a dick i think in this case he just genuinely doesn't know how to say her name because he didn't care enough to find that out before he went on tv yes and at this point, Tucker really wants us to know, guys, this appointment, it is not normal. There's a lot to be said about Kentaji Brown Jackson's judicial record or lack thereof. And we'll get to that in a minute. But it's worth mentioning at the outset, the lies our media are telling to make this appointment seem normal. It is not normal. Over at CNN, the morning zoo lady is pretending that until today, February 25th, 2022, it would have been impossible. Just impossible because it was against the law. These people are so stupid. For someone like Kentaji Brown Jackson to become a Supreme Court justice. Watch this. Assuming she is confirmed, she will be the first African-American female justice on the Supreme Court, which, look, maybe not officially, but at least in practice, has been disqualifying when it comes to nominees uh, up until now. It was disqualifying? What are you even talking about? It's idiotic. And it's just another attack on America. It's a rotten, crappy country. Therefore, we need to put a moron who hates it in charge. And you can't complain. In point of fact, 55 years ago, Thurgood Marshall became an associate justice of the Supreme Court. He was black. 41 years ago, Sandra Day O'Connor became an associate justice. She was a woman. Whatever. 
So in order for what you just heard to make sense, you'd have to believe that this country has harbored a bias not simply against black justices or female justices, but against black female justices specifically. Is that true? It's not. Tucker Carlson intersectionality is fake. No discrimination has been shown to women or black people since the since the founding of the Supreme Court. That's your claim, really? You're going to defend that? <laughs> yeah, I like I I don't I don't even want to engage with that too much because he he doesn't he doesn't even mean that. He doesn't care. <laughs> but like again, if if it doesn't matter, Tyler, the, or if it doesn't matter, Tucker, then uh, why is why is it such an issue that Biden picked a black woman? Like why why can't you just focus on her credentials? Yeah, yeah, I'm noticing I'm noticing a stark lack of interest in her credentials and a and a very powerful interest in her uh, her identity. Yeah, like it, which I thought I, I thought that was uh, I thought that was the problem with the left was that we were way too into identity politics. Yeah, like it, within the Tucker's mad, like within the argument he's making is the tacit assumption that if Biden picked a black woman, he couldn't possibly pick the most qualified person, yeah. which it, it, it is, is just racist on its face. Like, that's all this is. And, and uses language that's impossible to it's like it's unfalsifiable that like she's unqualified because qualified is a is a slippery term when, when it, with this type of job. So then at this point, we get kind of a rapid fire series of, of bald faced lies. I think Tucker know he, he knows that most people aren't going to go look into like what decisions were appealed. So he knows he can get away with some pretty egregious stuff here. Like th- this is this is pathetic. But to test the hypothesis, let's assume that Joe Biden did what he claims. Let's assume he picked the single most qualified African-American female justice he could find in all of America. Now let's assess her record, because why not? Jackson has consistently ruled in favor of the Democratic Party. Wow, is that surprising to you? Probably not. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, which leans to the left, has repeatedly overturned her on the merits anyway. I mean, I know what he's trying to say, but when he says she's repeatedly ruled in favor of the Democratic Party, that doesn't actually mean anything. Like, to my knowledge, he's never ruled on the case where the Democratic Party was a plaintiff or a defendant. But but what he's trying to say is that she... Uh, she makes her decisions not based on the law, but on the whims of the left. Yeah, and I'm sure that Amy Coney Barrett and Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh were super bipartisan in their uh, in their rulings. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like we 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 have right now an explicitly right wing activist court that Tucker doesn't give a shit about. But e- even the idea that Katanji Brown Jackson is just an agent of the Democratic Party's political agenda, regardless of what the law says, that's not true. Um, and we can see that in several cases she's been involved in where the the outcome that she she decided probably wasn't the outcome that she would have liked to see from like a personal value standpoint. And you can find a couple of examples like that. They go through a few of them in that opening arguments episode I mentioned of times that like Tommy Brown Jackson did not just go with whatever outcome would be the but would be the most satisfying to a liberal base. Like that's not that's not how she approaches jurisprudence. And there's also this this implication Tucker is making that she gets overruled a lot. He says, uh, even though she's in a liberal leading court, her decisions were repeatedly overruled on the merits. That's bullshit. Um, so Katanji Brown Jackson throughout her career has a reversal rate of two percent, which is not high. Um, out of five hundred and sixty two opinions that she's written, seventy five have been appealed, of which only seven were reversed. 
Wow. Yeah, so this uh, the, 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 this line that she gets overruled a lot just doesn't hold up to scrutiny. Um, so it sounds like the criticism is she was overruled ever, which I imagine most judges have been at some point. Yeah, like you, you won't find a judge with a with a decade long career who hasn't had a decision overturned. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, at this point, he he wants to go through a couple of examples, and these are just egregious. To give a few examples, Jackson blocked Donald Trump's executive orders, making it easier to fire government employees. The D.C. Circuit unanimously reversed that decision by Jackson. So the case he's talking about here was American Federation of Government Employees v. Trump. This was about three executive orders that Trump signed that were designed to weaken collective bargaining for federal employees. The, The orders sought to regulate the collective bargaining negotiations that federal agencies could enter into with public sector unions as well as the matters that those parties could negotiate. The orders also placed limits on the activities that federal employees were allowed to engage in when acting as labor representatives. Um, and it, it established guidance for what positions agencies could take in the collective bargaining process. It was essentially like union busting at the federal level. Because uh, um, unions weren't weak enough. Judge Brown Jackson's ruling in that case did overturn almost all of those orders on the basis that they interfered with the right to collectively bargain. When Tucker says that her decision was overturned on the merits, that is a lie. Her decision was not overturned or even challenged on the merits. Rather, the ruling was overturned on the basis of standing. Essentially, a panel of the D.C. court ruled that the plaintiffs in the case were not entitled to bring the case to to Jackson's court to resolve the question. The panel ruled instead that the plaintiff's legal claim had to be channeled through an administrative proceeding rather than filed as an initial action in federal court. So this decision was not overturned on the merits, but on the basis of the union standing to bring the case to her court. Hello, dis- we, we would like to, we would like to uh, utilize our, our legal right to, to collectively bargain, uh, and they're not letting us do it. Uh, oh, great. Well, you're not allowed to sue them for... for- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. for doing yeah. that it's like take it okay. up with your boss <laughs> yeah that's the whole point of collective bargaining is that you can't there's um, a power dynamic there and when tucker said that the decision to overturn her ruling was unanimous that's also a lie there were three judges on the panel and it was a two-to-one split um and both of the judges uh who voted against her were uh trump appointees And then this next one is even more brazen. Then Jackson did Jerry Nadler's bidding and opened a former Trump administration official to testify before House Democrats. Again, she was overruled by the left-wing D.C. Circuit. Yeah. So this one is about... The left-wing D.C. Circuit that is opposed (laughs) to unionization. Jesus. Yeah, those damn union-busting lefties. Yeah. (laughs) So the case he's talking about here is, uh, and you'll notice how little he's actually saying about these cases because he uh, he's full of shit. And he, yeah. <laughs> um, the case he's referring to here was the Committee on the Judiciary versus McGann, this being Don McGann. Um, this was a lawyer who served as White House counsel for Donald Trump um, from the uh, from the day of the inauguration through October 17th of 2018. I thought um, I remembered the name. I, I remember him being terrible, but I don't remember what he did. Yeah, he he, he sucked. Um, and ap- after after he had left his position at White House Counsel, 
the House Committee on the Judiciary, as part of their investigation into foreign interference in the 2016 presidential election, subpoenaed Don McGahn to testify before the House. McGahn refused to comply with that subpoena, so the committee filed a lawsuit to compel him to appear and testify. That case went before Judge Brown Jackson, and she granted the committee's motion for partial summary judgment, basically saying that, yes, Don McGahn does have to testify. That decision was reversed by a three-judge panel consisting of two Trump appointees. That opinion was written by Judge Naomi Rao, and the reversal was based on the argument that the president has absolute immunity from being compelled to testify, and that that immunity could extend to his legal counsel. Now, this was a bad decision for a number of reasons, but to highlight how bad it was, I want to point out that at the time, there were six Supreme Court decisions establishing a clear precedent that no, the president does not have an absolute immunity from being compelled to testify. So when Tucker says that Brown Jackson's decision was reversed in this case, that's what he's talking about. What he doesn't mention, however, is that following the reversal, the D.C. Circuit reviewed the decision and reversed the panel's decision, reinstating Judge Brown Jackson's initial ruling. She correctly held that Congress has the right to subpoena an executive branch authority, and she was vindicated for that decision because she was obviously correct. The whole reason that we moved away from kings to presidents was so that they could be held accountable for their actions. Yeah, that, that's what rule of lies. Yeah. <laughs> and and that, that's just, that's so brazen. Tucker, like, oh, well, they, they, she was overturned on that case, not 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 not, not bothering to mention that uh, her position the was... overturning was overturned. Yeah, her, her position was promptly reinstated. Okay. So, uh, so Tucker's a racist asshat. And then this uh, this racist asset at this point wants to pause for a moment to talk about the principle of the whole thing. Meanwhile, she's done everything possible to defend, once again, her patrons in the Democratic Party. Let me just pause right there and just say, this is making everybody the last thing anyone else needs to be, which is even more cynical about our government. You have to believe at least one institution in government is on the level and people are acting at a principle and not simply political considerations. And Biden has just erased that. Who will believe the Supreme Court ever again? How dare Biden undermine faith in institutions? Don't know anybody else who does does anything like that. And then that brings him to example three. A few years ago, Jackson, back to the facts here, ruled that a Clinton aide called Philippe Rennes did not have to justify his use of a private email account for official business. So legally speaking, Kentashi Brown Jackson isn't much of a jurist. She's not simply ignorant of the law. She's a political activist. So this one, I imagine we're going to be hearing a lot about through the confirmation process, because this is a Hillary's emails thing. I, I was just about to say it's fucking Hillary's fault. That's the only, <laughs> the only defense they have for everything. Yeah, it's, it's always Hillary. Um, so th- th- this guy, Philippe, Philippe Rennes, um, he was a deputy assistant secretary of state while Hillary Clinton was secretary of state. And the issue came about because Rennes was apparently using a private email account to, to communicate with reporters on behalf of the State Department. In 2012, after Rennes had already left the State Department, uh, Gawker filed a FOIA request asking the State Department to turn over all of Rennes' email communications with reporters. Initially, the State, the State Department answered the request by saying that they had checked the two servers most likely to contain the emails and didn't find any records to turn over. Gawker then appealed the request, and in response, the State Department reached out to Rennes and asked him to compile whatever relevant materials he might have. 
Rennes turned over 20 boxes of documents, which were then submitted to Gawker. At this point, Gawker wanted to know how Rennes had decided which documents to include in the boxes he had turned over. So they filed a lawsuit to try and compel the State Department to acquire that information. That case went before Judge Brown Jackson, who dismissed the lawsuit on the grounds that Gawker's request was outside the scope of what the Freedom of Information Act requires. Essentially, she found that a FOIA request can only compel an agency to provide documents that it has access to in its own files, and requiring an agency to try and gather information on a former employee's selection process for turning over records from his private email account falls outside of what the law would require. Interestingly, she actually left open the possibility of future lawsuits pursuing that information, but chose to dismiss this case on the basis that the document collection process was still ongoing. So, so this is a pretty milquetoast case, and honestly... If Tucker is being honest about his, his only concern being whether or not a judge can objectively interpret the law, this is an example of her doing precisely that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's something that people like Tucker can pretend ties her to Hillary's corruption. So I, I imagine we're going to be hearing a lot about this in the coming weeks. Oh, God. Let, why Why can't any enemies of the right be something other than a boogeyman like the only like it's 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 the clintons they're they're gonna they're gonna come and kill you it's the it's the fucking immigrants they're gonna come and take over your your town like it's it's all it's all just like this stuff that doesn't really happen but they're like convincing you it's this i don't know like I'm no fan of Hillary Clinton, but like she's just an establishment politician. Like they all do shitty stuff. That's the end of his his concrete examples. So we're three for three on them being total bullshit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, here he 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 he's going to talk about one other thing, one other conflict of interest he's worried about, and I think the implication here is kind of fucked up. Right now, the Supreme Court is considering an important question, a central question, about affirmative action. They're about to decide whether Harvard and other elite institutions can make decisions based on racial quotas. Do you want to live in that country? Most people don't, of all colors. They think that you should be elevated in America based on what you do, on the choices you make, not on how you're born, not in your DNA, because that's Rwanda. But if confirmed, Jackson, a nominee selected because of a racial quota, will help decide whether Harvard's race-based admissions programs is legal. Jackson has a conflict of interest in the case, obviously, but a specific one. She serves on Harvard's Board of Overseers. Did any of this matter to Joe Biden's administration? Needless to say, it didn't. The uh, the the case he's, he's talking about is Students for Fair Admissions versus Harvard. This case revolves around Harvard um, disadvantaging Asian American applicants in their admission process. But the goal is to get like affirmative action in academia overturned. Um, this was orchestrated by Edward Blum. He's essentially a right-wing active, a right-wing legal activist who his specialty is partnering up plaintiffs with, uh, with lawyers to engineer test cases that he can use to get different precedents overturned. There's a podcast called More Perfect with an episode called The Architect that's about Edward Blum. I really recommend people listen to that because it, uh, it goes into a lot of detail about that dude, shady ass machinations. Um, but with, 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 but with regard to how this case t- pertains to Ketanji Brown Jackson, 
Tucker is arguing that she has a conflict of interest. The substance of the conflict of interest is apparently that she is a member of Harvard's Board of Overseers, which is true. There is legitimate argument that she may want to recuse herself from the case in, in the event that the Supreme Court hears it while she's on the bench. That said, prior to explaining that, Tucker talks about how Katanji Brown Jackson herself is an affirmative action hire, and then said she has a conflict of interest in this case, obviously, but a specific one. So the message she's actually trying to convey is that her conflict of interest in hearing an affirmative action case that she herself is only where she is because of affirmative action, which is just fucking racist, given that like he's willing to disregard all of her accomplishments based on her identity. I grow weary of Tucker really quickly when I know that he doesn't even like it. The, the actual arguments he's making, he doesn't give a shit about. He just wants to be able to create a smokescreen and have enough plausible deniability to, to be able to say, I don't want this lady on the court because I don't like her. It would be so much easier if he could just say that and we could all go home. His audience wouldn't care. <laughs> no. To be fair, Tyler, I mean, we should be scared because this is all part of the progressive agenda. Democrats and their allies in the media are becoming more hysterical by the day, are admitting that's what it's all about. So NBC News has told us that Jackson, quote, fits well within the Democratic Party and the progressive movement's agenda. What? The progressive movement's agenda? At least they're being honest. That's what it's really about. They don't actually care that she's black or female. They care about putting a true believer on the bench. And they're going to do it. And Republicans seem to be cheering it. It's like an IQ test. Any Republican who stands up and says, oh, I'm so happy about this, is dumb, and you shouldn't support that person. Yeah, so... Show me one Republican who is cheering for Katanji Brown-Jackson. <laughs> Show me a single one. I do not believe you. Yeah, I, I think what he's referring to is that when she was nominated to the appeals court a year ago, she picked up a couple of the Republican votes. I'm guessing that that will not happen with her Supreme Court confirmation hearing. No. Just a guess. <laughs> no fucking way. There's no way. But yeah, it, and his fear mongering here about she's just a tool that the progressive agenda is is nonsense. Like we talked about that she is not like a, a judicial ideologue. And, and Tucker doesn't give a shit about judicial ideologues. He's gonna the bring problem a, is, that she, is that she's not on his side now. That's Yeah. It's very frustrating because he doesn't believe the thing he's saying, and it's also not even true. It's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> he's yeah. just wasting everyone's time with this shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so then uh, he, he brings on Harmeet Dillon. She's a, a like libertarian lawyer who he, he brings on any time there are like legal matters to be discussed. And she's going to, weirdly enough, just reiterate everything Tucker's already said. Almost like he doesn't need guests, except to artificially inflate his own credibility. Harmeet Dillon joins us tonight. She is an actual constitutional scholar, civil rights lawyer from California, um, to assess this. So, Harmeet, look, I'm not even attacking this woman personally. I'm just saying the way that Biden has chosen this nominee is so destructive to our institutions that I wonder why no one else is saying that. Well, you're absolutely right, Tucker. What you see here is the culmination of some decades of activism on the left, starting with destroying Robert Bork as a nominee back when I was a student in law school. That made a huge impression on me. And coming forward to today, um, he actually could have picked any of the people who he had on his shortlist, and it would have been the same. They would have checked all the boxes of the left. So this is not really a critique of 
uh, Judge uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson so much as this process. And this process is beholden, like Joe Biden is, to a far left agenda with dark money uh, controlling what the president does. And so this is not the way to pick justices, and the system needs to change, Tucker. Hmm. Arguments that hinge on hypocrisy are a bit of a waste of time, and honestly, but come on. Like, you are not going to tell me that this is a concern when all three of Trump's nominees were handpicked on a list from the from the fucking Federalist Society. You're not going to tell me that you care about dark money interests and the president being given a list by lobbying groups. Like, fuck off. Fuck right off. <sighs> Yeah, it, it's only it's only bad when they do it. That's that's the that's the position. And like, uh, I'll I'll agree, Harmeet. The system is broken, and it probably needs to change. I would love if you were a sincere ally in that. Harmeet mentioned that the uh, the the left sinking the nomination of Robert Bork really uh, really radicalized her. Um, do you know anything, Tyler, about the nomination of Robert Bork? No. Did you? I think you mentioned he was a Reagan appointee. Yeah. So, uh, okay. so Robert Bork was a um, a federal judge and a conservative legal theorist who um, he had been solicitor general in the solicitor general in the Nixon administration, and he played a role in Watergate during the Saturday Night Massacre. He fired the special prosecutor Archibald Cox. Um, Better get him on the Supreme Court. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Highly qualified. Yeah. Um, so Reagan nominated Bork for the Supreme Court for the Supreme Court in 1987. At this point, Bork had spent five years as a federal appeals court judge. And in the 1960s, he uh he essentially pioneered a new brand of legal conservatism, which he called original intent. Essentially, his belief was that um judges should go no farther in interpreting the Constitution than the exact words of the founding document. So it's like what the text says and nothing more. Um, Okay. So read this openly vague text and come to my conclusion. Otherwise you're misrepresenting the words of the constitution. That's fucking bingo. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like he, he, he opposed the Supreme court's one man one vote decision on legislative apportionment. He wrote an article opposing the 1964 civil rights law that required hotels, restaurants, and other businesses to serve people of all races. So uh, an active opponent of desegregation who was appointed, who was nominated for the court in 1987. Um, He opposed the 1965 Supreme Court decision that struck down a law banning contraceptives for married couples. And he, he opposed this on the basis that there is no right to privacy in the Constitution. Yikes. And he also opposed basically every Supreme Court decision ever made that enhanced gender equality. So this this dude uh, was... He sucks. Yeah, and <laughs> very much intended just to tilt the court to the right. His, his confirmation hearing did not go well when a Republican senator named Alan Simpson pitched him what should have been a softball question. He asked to why he asked Bork why he wanted to serve in the Supreme Court. Bork replied that it would be, quote, an intellectual feast. So he's a lizard person. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know what he looks like. Um oh uh, I'll I'll show you quick. You're you're not far <laughs> off. 
<laughs> he he looks like they they built his head first, and then they're like, "Oh shit, we forgot to put hair on it," so they just like glued some on haphazardly. I I looked it up. I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's got the he's got the the bad skin suit look going on. <laughs> um. So ultimately, Bork's Bork's nomination failed. Wait, that can happen. Nominations can fail. Yeah, he 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 wasn't confirmed by the court. Um, what was oh, the right? Vote? I, what was the I vote forgot split? that all all Democratic nominees can fail, but no Republican <laughs> no Republican nominees can fail. Yeah. Um. He he after, was de- after Robert Bork apparently. Yeah, he was defeated by a vote of fifty eight to forty two, which was the largest margin in history. Wow. It, but like after that, Republicans it be, it became like a cultural flashpoint. Republicans turned getting borked into a into like a a phrase to mean you got you got systematically vilified. Uh, wow. everything old is new. Everything new is old. There's a saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this was uh. It, so this Robert Bork. Robert Bork getting his nomination sunk was um, what woke Kermit Dillon up to the political activism of the left and and why they're bad. This guy was so clearly just like an ideological appointment, right? And that's what they're pretending to yeah. be so mad about. So, yeah, it's, it's only okay when we do it. Like I like I say it as a joke, but like they're they honestly like it's only okay when we do it. Like there's and, there's no principles that they can hold other people to consistently that gets them what they want so they have to it's a it's a double standard every time or they lose yeah and i think if you really wanted to like pathologize what that is like where that impulse comes from it's i think it's because they have a foundational belief in hierarchy right and so it's yeah it's not a double standard it's that we're higher in the hierarchy than you and we have the right to do this you don't yeah you're probably you're probably right i know we've talked about that before though like that's why it's so hard to talk to conservatives because we have like this different framework of how the world should work. Conservatives tend to think that like there is a natural hierarchy and there is, there is honor in being at any point in that hierarchy, but you have a place and you need to play your role. Whereas more left-leaning people believe that hierarchy is bad and we should expand egalitarianism. And and like, and like they believe that it's ultimately better they they might not sincerely believe this, but it's the story they tell themselves that it's this that their their model is better for the people in the lower rungs of the hierarchy too. Because if the hierarchy is obeyed, then they appoint these like steady hand judicial stewards to the court who are gonna keep things on a on an even keel, as opposed to these these radical leftists. So if we appoint them to the court, then they're gonna tank the country, and everybody's gonna be eating rats and shit. Yeah. Oh, my, my serfs would be so much worse off if I wasn't here for forcing them to labor <laughs> right. for me on, on my, on my fief. <laughs> yeah, so then to, uh, to, to, to tie this interview up at the end, um, they go to some, some familiar territory that th- th- this is, this is fucking pathetic. Well, that's exactly, and by the way, the system is built on faith. I mean, we follow Supreme Court directives, not because there's someone with a gun in our living room making us, but because we believe the Supreme Court is real. And who's going to believe that now? 
it, this really does undermine the credibility of the court. If I were the judge, I'd be a little offended that I was out in the uh, in the White House uh, having this announcement next to the last big affirmative action pick, uh, Kamala Harris. She did not go so well for the country. So if she gets selected, hopefully this one is better. I hope I sure hope so uh, for the country. Harmi Dillon, thank you. They're really going hard recently on the um, everything is bad because Kamala Harris is kind of goofy. I think that's their their uh, their hail mary for the midterms. Yep. Jesus Christ, the midterms are going to suck. The midterms always suck for Democrats, but I feel like Biden has done nothing to to like that I can tell people to be like you. Hey, you should vote for more Democrat. Yeah, and like obviously the reality is more complicated and it's not like high gas prices are squarely Biden's fault. Like Biden, the, the, no, absolutely the, not. the White House staff doesn't get up in the morning. Like Joe, what's the price today? And he's like, ratchet, ratchet up another three cents. Um, yeah. But like, I think he does have the power to stop them from jacking the prices up. I'm pretty, there's laws against price gouging. Like you could, I think you could make a case for that. Yeah, um, and that's, and that's the thing. It's like, it he just has to do something. <laughs> Like we we can say all the time, like what the reasons are, and there's more complexity. But like people are busy, and the simple narratives about why their life suddenly got harder is what's going to resonate. It's like, yeah, it because gas prices are really fucking high, and that hurts people who don't have a lot of money. And so, like, yep, I, I think whatever else happens, that's going to be the defining story of of how the midterms go, which is going to suck. Yeah. Um. I don't know, but like they can just make up villains, so it you know it doesn't it doesn't even have to be something Biden did. So then, uh, th- that's all we're going to talk about Katanji Brown Jackson for today. But since we're uh, we're in kind of the sphere of courts and and legal proceedings, I thought this would be a good time to take it, to take a little bit to go over some of the uh, some of the court cases that have bedeviled Tucker and Fox News. This first thing I want to look at. We've made mention of this a bunch of times on the show, the uh, the defamation case where um, Fox's lawyers successfully argued that Tucker can't be taken seriously. Uh, yes, we have to. It's been a while, but that's like every right wing talking head seems to have a uh, a case where they argued in court that no sane human being would believe the words coming out of their mouth. And, and then the judge agrees with them <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, and we've, we've made reference to that multiple times, pretty much the entire time we've been doing this show. Um, last week, I think you referred to it. I, I referred to Tucker Carlson tonight as Schrodinger's new show. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it, it occurred to me as I was putting this together that we've never actually like gone over what the details of that case were. And I thought that might be good for people to know like exactly what it is that happened that led to that that ruling. Um. So I wanted to take a minute here while we have the room for it to go over what happened there. So the 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 person who Tucker Carlson was sued for defaming was Karen McDougal. McDougal was a, a former Playboy model who went public in 2018 with claims that she had had a 10-month affair with Donald Trump in 2006. Um, while the election was ongoing, she had tried to go public with this story and... Uh, American Media Inc., which is the company that publishes the National Enquirer, paid Karen McDougal $150,000 for the exclusive right to publish her story. Um, They then buried the story and never published it, 
which was a coordinated effort with Michael Cohen to prevent the story from getting out and derailing Trump's presidential campaign. So there was a, a an FEC complaint that found that this violated campaign finance law. And as a result, it became something that Tucker had to run cover for on his show. And run cover he did. Tucker repeatedly accused both Karen McDougal and Stormy Daniels of extortion in this period. So, for example, here's a clip from Tucker Carlson tonight on December 10th, 2018. Why is what Cohen is alleging a criminal offense? Remember the facts of the story. These are undisputed. Two women approached Donald Trump and threatened to ruin his career and humiliate his family if he doesn't give them money. Now, that sounds like a classic case of extortion. Yet, for whatever reason, Trump caves to it and he directs Michael Cohen to pay the ransom. Now, more than two years later, Trump is a felon for doing this. It doesn't seem to make any sense. Oh, but you're not a federal prosecutor on a political mission. If you were a federal prosecutor on a political mission, you would construe those extortion payments as campaign contributions. You do this even though the money in question did not come from or go to Donald Trump's presidential campaign. Then you'd claim that Trump and Michael Cohen violated campaign finance law because they didn't publicly disclose those payments, despite the fact that disclosing them would nullify the reason for making them in the first place, which was to keep the whole thing secret. Yeah, so the it, at the beginning there, he's like, the facts of the case are undisputed, and then com- and then proceeds to completely make out facts of the case that did not happen. Um, <laughs> Aaron McDougal and Story McDaniels did not approach Trump and threaten to ruin his life unless he paid them. That's just from Tucker's imagination. And, and in fact, Karen McDougal getting paid off was part of a, a coordinated effort to essentially trick her into selling her story to the National Enquirer so they could bury it. So then, as a result of Tucker making claims like this on air, Karen McDougal filed a lawsuit for defamation on the basis that Carlson had wrongly accused her of a crime. That seems reasonable after that. Yeah, yeah, makes sense because, you know, extortion is a crime and she didn't do what he said she did on on TV. Yep. um, I like the idea that Trump, like even even in Tucker's fictionalized version of events, Trump cheating on his wife with multiple women um, and then those women telling people that he did that is them ruining his family and not him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you, you did that. <laughs> yeah. That <you>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, how dare you ruin my life by telling people I murdered that guy? <laughs> yeah. Right. That, that, that wouldn't be an argument you made in any other case. No, um, no. So then, uh, so, so th- this went to, this this case went to trial, and Fox News's lawyers argued in court that the defamation charges should be dismissed on the grounds that Tucker Carlson cannot be literally believed when he says things on his show, and that his viewers have a tacit understanding of that fact. Evidence, please, Jesus. Yeah. I- I, I, I take issue with that when his show airs in a primetime slot on the channel with a news in its name. And Tucker yes. regularly talks about how he tells the truth and everyone else is lying to you. Um, 
I don't yep. think you can just take for granted that his viewers know, like, oh, so when he's saying that, he's actually means the opposite. I can I cannot believe that you win in a court case with that shit. Yeah, it's who it's, was the who was the judge? Like, fuck that guy. Yeah, it, uh, it was a lady. Um, really? This was a a federal judge in the Southern District of New York. Uh, it, it was Judge Mary Kay Vyskochul. I'm I think I'm pronouncing her last name wrong. An she. Yeah, and she 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 ruled to dismiss the defamation charges and, in her opinion, leaned heavily in the argument played by Fox's lawyers, writing, quote, The general tenor of the show should then inform a viewer that Carlson is not stating actual facts about the topics he discusses and is, and is instead engaging in exaggeration and non-literal commentary. Which she, is not what anyone watching the show thinks. No, and, like, and, and oh, not I what I cannot and, believe you get away with this, and not what the style, structure, format, or presentation of the show would lead one to believe, or the or the literal text he says out loud. I'm telling you the truth, that other people are lying to you. Like, yes, it's not... <laughs> yeah, just, just in the fucking transcript. <laughs> like, he, yeah. Um, she also wrote, "Quote: Fox persuasively argues that." Given Mr. Carlson's reputation, any reasonable any reasonable viewers arrive with an appropriate amount of skepticism about this, amount of skepticism about the statements he makes. Whether the court frames Mr. Carlson's statements as exaggeration, non-literal commentary, or simply bloviating for his audience, the conclusion remains the same: the statements are not actionable. And the most frustrating part of this is that you can point this out to to people who believe Tucker Carlson is like. He argued in court, like in legal records, that he can't be taken seriously. Um, and they'll be like, well, he had to say that because they were trying to destroy him. So yep. it's, it's, it, it, they're just infinite, infinite turns. There's no way out of this maze. Nope. So that, uh, in, in a nutshell, that's what happened in that case. And when we say that Tucker legally cannot be taken seriously, um, that's what we're referring to. Um. And I wanted to lay that out as kind of an interesting parallel to another court case that we're going to talk about today. So currently, there is a defamation lawsuit against Fox News by the company Smartmatic. This is one of the election technology companies that makes voting machines and voting machine software that's at the center of the vote-flipping conspiracies about the 2020 election. This was the sort of stuff that Mike Lindell was, is still yelling about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like Smartmatic, Smartmatic voting machines ran an algorithm that flipped votes from Trump to Biden and stole the election. What um, day is Trump going to retake office these days? Yeah, uh, I, man, I haven't I haven't heard a new date in a while. I think the most recent one was going to be in November. <laughs> uh, when was JFK Jr. supposed to come back to life? I, I know that was a big one. Um, I loved the ones that were like, uh, he's waiting for Biden to receive his first paycheck as president because then he can catch him red-handed for illegally taking government money or something <laughs> for, for being paid for his work uh... <laughs> yeah. um in particular smartmatic's lawsuit against fox news pertains to pertain to three fox hosts maria bartiromo janine piero and lou dobbs all of whom use their platforms on fox to amplify claims about smartmatic made by people like rudy giuliani and Sidney powell so in response Smartmatic filed a lawsuit against Fox for $2.7 billion, claiming that the network aired unsubstantiated claims about their company that damaged their reputation. Fox attempted to get this lawsuit dismissed, but that failed. In January, Judge David Cohen rejected Fox motion, Fox's motion to dismiss the suit, writing in a 61-page ruling that there is, quote, 
substantial basis for the claim that, at a minimum, Fox News turned a blind eye to a litany of outrageous claims about Smartmatic, unprecedented in the history of American elections, so inherently improbable that it it evinced a reckless disregard for the truth. So at this point... Not to side with a corporation or anything, but uh, I think I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. Um, So at this point, the case is going to move forward. And recently, there are some developments in the proceedings that bring our boy Tucker into the fold. So I find this story extremely funny, and I'm very excited to tell you what happened. Ooh, yeah. Um, So in a defamation case, a crucial element is often proving that there was actual malice on the part of the defamer. Basically, you have to prove that the person you're suing acted with actual malice and and knowingly said things about you that weren't true and would hurt hurt your reputation. That's often a difficult standard to meet, and it's a big reason why a lot of defamation lawsuits fail. How could how could you ever prove that unless they like said in an email, "I'm going to lie about Smartmatic tonight"? Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it, it's often tough. Um, but unfortunately, Fox News employs Tucker Carlson because uh, <laughs> wait, did they actually meet the standard? It it, it looks like they might. So, <laughs> oh my um, god. On March 8th, Judge Cohen published another opinion regarding the Smartmatic case, where he indicated that comments made on air by Tucker Carlson may help prove actual malice on the part of Fox News. And this is a masterstroke of irony, because the particular comments that Tucker made here that, are, that, that he's referencing were actually a rare example of Tucker exercising a modicum of integrity. Oh my god. Oh, this so, is awesome. Right? Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> so to help to help to help explain what's going on here we're going to step back in time a little bit to listen to tucker's opening monologue from his show from november 19th of 2020 um at this point in time Sidney powell was all over the news making wild claims about smart smart rigging the election for joe biden and if you don't remember Sidney powell was the wackadoodle QAnon lawyer who claimed that she was going to release the kraken in court i do remember Sidney powell um <laughs> Didn't didn't the court rule the same thing about her as about um like Tucker and Alex Jones? Like no reasonable person could take her seriously. I, the I, I think said? there was a similar thing to that, yeah. Yeah. Because that keeps happening, apparently. <laughs> so then in uh in on November 9th, 2020, this was how Tucker opened his show to talk about Sidney Powell. Prosecutor Sidney Powell, who has also served as General Mike Flynn's lawyer. For more than a week, Powell has been all over conservative media with the following story. This election was stolen by a collection of international leftists who manipulated vote tabulating software in order to flip millions of votes from Donald Trump to Joe Biden. The other day on television, Powell said of Trump that when the fraud is finally uncovered, quote, I think we'll find he had at least 80 million votes. In other words, rigged software stole about 7 million votes in this election. Here's some of what Powell said today about the software. One of its most characteristic features is its ability to flip votes. It can set and run an algorithm that probably ran all over the country to take a certain percentage of votes from President Trump and flip them to President Biden, which we might never have uncovered had the votes for President Trump not been so overwhelming in so many of these states that it broke the algorithm that had been plugged into the system. And that's what caused them to have to shut down in the states they shut down in. That was a few hours ago, but Sidney Powell has been saying similar things for days. On Sunday night, we texted her after watching one of her segments. 
What Powell was describing would amount to the single greatest crime in American history. Millions of votes stolen in a day. Democracy destroyed. The end of our centuries-old system of self-government. Not a small thing. All right, so that's how he introduces this thread. And at this point, Tucker is going to take a second to let his audience know, like, hey, guys, we were open-minded about this. We, we, didn't, we didn't just dismiss Sandy Powell out of hand. So he's going he's gonna to spend a little bit of time uh, making that case. Now, to be perfectly clear, we did not dismiss any of it. We don't dismiss anything anymore, particularly when it's related to technology. We've talked to too many Silicon Valley whistleblowers. We've seen too much. After four years, this may be the single most open-minded show on television. We literally do UFO segments, not because we're crazy or had even been interested in the subject, but because there is evidence that UFOs are real and everyone lies about it. There's evidence that a lot of things that responsible people used to dismiss out of hand as ridiculous are in fact real. And we don't care who mocks it. The louder the Yale Political Science Department and the staff of the Atlantic Magazine scream, conspiracy theory, the more interested we tend to be. That's usually a sign you're over the target. A lot of people with impressive sounding credentials in this country are frauds. They have no idea what they're doing. They're children posing as authorities. And when they're caught, they lie and then they blame you for it. We see that every day. It's the central theme of this show and will continue to be. So that's a long way of saying we took Sidney Powell seriously. We had no intention of fighting with her. We've always respected her work. We simply wanted to see the details. How could you not want to see them? So we invited Sidney Powell on the show. We would have given her the whole hour. We would have given her the entire week, actually, and listened quietly the whole time at rapt attention. That's a big story. But she never sent us any evidence, despite a lot of requests, polite requests, not a page. When we kept pressing, she got angry and told us to stop contacting her. When we checked with others around the Trump campaign, people in positions of authority, they told us Powell has never given them any evidence either, nor did she provide any today at the press conference. Powell did say that electronic voting is dangerous, and she's right, we're with her there. But she never demonstrated that a single actual vote was moved illegitimately by software from one candidate to another, not one. So why are we telling you this? We're telling you this because it's true. And in the end, that's all that matters, the truth. It's our only hope. It's our best defense. And it's how we're different from them. We care what's true. And we know you care, too. That's why we told you. So, he's like, hey, I, I, I tried to hear Sidney Powell out, but she didn't give us any evidence about this shit, guys. Like, we got nothing. And we, we talked to some people in the Trump campaign. They said she hasn't given them any evidence either. This usually would not stop him. Like he, he and he, I, I, I think he's still like playing defense for it a little bit, like by talking about it at all. Yeah. If I had something that there was no evidence for, I wouldn't, and I had a new show, I wouldn't bring it up. Yeah, or, I, or I would say there's something going on, but there's no evidence for it. And then I would stop. Um, I don't know. Yeah. This, 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 this feel- is more integrity than he normally has, like you said, for sure. Yes. Yeah. This, this feels like him exercising like more. Um, m- more restraint and more integrity than you would normally see from him. And I, I, I think it has less to do with the moral stand and more him, like, I mean, Tucker is not an idiot. He knows that Sidney Powell was like a raving lunatic and he probably had a sense that like, okay, if we embrace this, it's going to blow up on our face. So we need to distance ourselves a little bit. 
And he kind of just like said the quiet part loud for a second. He was like, well, when other people are calling something a conspiracy, usually uh, I agree with uh, with the people who are supposedly the conspiracists. Right. Um, but but nope, can't do it this time. Yeah. And the way he ends this is a little bit less laudable even than what he's done so far, because he's like, it, there's still room for questions about the election, guys. Maybe Sidney yeah. Powell will come forward soon with details on exactly how this happened and precisely who did it. Maybe she will. We are certainly hopeful that she will. What happened with the vote counting this month and at the polling places in Detroit and the polling places in Philadelphia and so much else actually matters. It matters no matter who you voted for. It matters whether or not you think this election is already over. Until we know the answers to those questions conclusively and we can agree on them, this country will not be united. Yeah, so like he, he, he's, still, he's still like leaving the door open. Like, hey, I'm still open to this stuff. I just need to see some evidence, you guys. Um, yeah, but and I feel like he's saying quietly to the to the election fraud people like, hey, this is still a safe place to talk about that, but you need to be better. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to do a better job than Sidney Powell and Mike Lindell are doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, the bar so, like, needs to be on the ground and not buried. <laughs> right. I need to be able to see the bar above the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I, I don't want to give him too many props, but that was like he. He's essentially saying, like, hey, be cautious with Sidney Powell. Like, we tried. She gave us no evidence. And in response to the Sidney Powell did say, like, the reason I didn't give Tucker any evidence is because he was very rude when he asked. <laughs> Which you would think if the if the election and the fate of the country was at stake, you might be able to look past that. But whatever. Ah, <laughs> um, uh, true. So then uh, so that that was in November of 2020. And this is coming back up now. Be- because now that this uh, this defamation case against Fox by Smart- by Smartmatic is ongoing, Judge Cohen referenced these comments that Tucker made in that segment in a recent brief that he wrote. Because that segment demonst- demonstrates that Fox News, or at least some people working at Fox News, had to have reason to doubt the legitimacy of Sidney Powell's claims, even as they were airing them in other places on their network. So Judge Cohen wrote, quote, Ironically, the statements of Tucker Carlson, perhaps the most popular Fox News host, militate most strongly in favor of a possible finding that there is a substantial basis that Fox News acted with actual malice. Powell never provided the evidence requested by Carlson, and President Trump's campaign advised Carlson that it knew of no such evidence. Therefore, there are sufficient allegations that Fox News knew, or should have known, that Powell's claim was false and purposely ignored the efforts of its most prominent anchor to obtain substantiation of claims of wrongdoing. Interesting. And he, he went on to write that um, it, the fact, because Lou Dobbs, one of the people named in Smartmatic's suit, um, he, he said on air that Powell had given him groundbreaking new evidence that Smartmatic had, um, it, like Smartmatic and foreign adversaries had orchestrated an attack on the election system um, and so, and so this judge Cohen wrote, it is incongruous that Dobbs emphasized evidence of fraud referred to by Powell, while there is no indication that Carlson ever received any substantiation of her claims. So essentially this one moment of like halfway integrity by Tucker on his show is now demonstrating like, oh shit, people at Fox, like Fox's most prominent anchor and his team 
tried to get evidence for Powell's claims and weren't able to come up with any. So Fox should have known that there was reason to doubt these claims as they were amplifying them. And that might be enough to demonstrate actual malice on their part for this defamation case. Is this still ongoing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that would be that would be so nice. Yeah, like th- this this opinion was just published this month, so like th- this is ongoing. Wow. I, I'm really curious to see how this goes. Like, um, I, me too. Because then, like, all Fox can do then is be like, "Well, we said before that Tucker is a liar." So. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but that seems to win every time. So, like, what? I... Uh, who who are the judges allowing for this shit, man? Like, seriously, like, if, if, okay, if if a judge approached Tucker can't be taken seriously as, like, with the same level of integrity as they seem to be taking this one, I feel like no reasonable judge could come to the conclusion that, like, an average Tucker Carlson viewer doesn't believe the things Tucker says. Yeah. And I, I wonder if the, if the, um, he can't be taken seriously claim might be harder here because in the very segment that judge Cohen is referencing here about Sidney Powell, Tucker was also like, why are we telling you this? Because it's true. And all that matters is the truth. So, <sighs> he's very clearly saying you should take this seriously because it's true. I know, but crazy things happen i don't know call me a nihilist yeah so i i i thought that was fun um and i'm i'm really curious to see how that resolves and what role tucker will play in it and whether or not that affects his relationship to the network (laughs) (laughs) so then uh that that's the end of the um the legal discussion i wanted to have today but there is one more little segment that i wanted to talk about because on Thursday this week, uh, on the 17th, there was an animal-related segment on Tucker Carlson Tonight, so we always cover those. Um, and this was not the best animal segment that Tucker's ever done. I, I might have left it on the cutting room floor, except at the beginning here, there's an amazing aside that if you catch it, uh, this ties this episode together so goddamn perfectly. All right, I will. I will try to pay attention prepare yourself for this story giant spiders apparently not making this up it's a news channel giant spiders apparently about to invade a large portion of this country we have scoured america for the men who might be able to stop this invasion they join us next did you catch it no wait what an invasion of spiders what what invasion what are you talking about (laughs) I'll explain the invasion of spiders, but what stood out to me there is not making this up. This is a news channel. (laughs) Nope. Completely slipped. I, uh, God, I feel like the more I try to pay attention, the less I actually, I know I I, I might've set you up for failure there because you're, you probably got stuck in like, why are the spiders significant to the court cases? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, true. Um, Um, yeah, so uh so Where's did you know Tara? I I just want more chicken lady. That's all I want. <laughs> um so yeah, did you know that we we're going to be invaded by giant spiders? Uh no. Is that is that the case? Yeah, kind of. Um so, Really? So so what he's talking about um this is about the Joro spider, which is an invasive spider species that originated in Japan 
and um and has started showing up in Georgia and I believe North Carolina. And it's expected that these spiders are going to kind of rapidly multiply and infest the East coast of the United States. Um, they, they have like a really fast metabolism that should enable them to survive the winter. And um, it, it's, it's likely that these things are going to be all over the East coast in the coming months. Fun. Are they, are they poisonous? Do they bite? Are they, uh, so they, they they they're not dangerous to humans. Um, oh, okay, okay. They are really big. They're like the size of a, a hand, <laughs> um, and they're they're like a blue and yellow color. So they have a really striking appearance. They um, yeah, I'm looking I'm looking at the pictures. I feel like I've seen a spider like this before. Yeah, they uh th- th- their webs can be like ten feet deep. And my favorite thing about them is that they can use their webs to, to fly, kind of. Because they what? make like they make these web parachutes that can carry them on the wind, and that's part of the reason they're expected to spread so quickly is because they can travel really long distances that way. Yikes! Okay, I was wrong. I haven't seen this exact spider. I saw. I feel like I've seen a spider with like yellow stripes on its legs, but not this much yellow. So then, um, Tucker, he, he's, and keep in mind, this is a new show. So he's he's scoured the country for somebody who might be able to stop this invasion, and he comes up with uh, Billy the Exterminator. Billy um, the Exterminator. Yeah. So uh, apparently, I had to Google Billy the Exterminator. Apparently, he has a, a reality show on A and E. And highly qualified, most qualified <laughs> person ever. Um, so here on Thursday, Tucker interviews Billy the Exterminator and his brother about this invasion of spiders. A story we feel duty-bound to bring you tonight. New fears that monster spiders could invade the east coast of the United States. When will this happen? Well, experts say it's only a few weeks away. Invasive spiders here. Researchers at the University of Georgia tell us that these spiders could parachute down from the sky, and that could be a problem. So we have scoured the arachnid community for people who might be able to help. One of these exterminators is called Billy the Exterminator. He and his brother have dealt with this species in the past. Billy Brotherton is known in the arachnid community as Billy the Exterminator. Ricky Brotherton is the owner of Vexcon, a pest control company in Louisiana. Billy and Ricky join us tonight. Gentlemen, thanks so much for coming on. How concerned should we be about giant spiders dropping from the sky? Uh, You know, Tucker, this is a new age. Uh, there's been a lot of problems with uh, the weather, climate change, forest fires. All of this stuff is pushing uh, large groups of insects and animals all over the place. Uh, that's what's going on with this species of spider. Um, I've seen some images already of this spider where it's like turning the sky like black, like a giant black cloud coming at you. Uh, and I think it's uh, displacement, you know, from the stuff that we're doing. <laughs> Uh, th- this should immediately present a problem for Tucker because Billy the Exterminator believes in climate change. But um, Tucker, he doesn't really have time here at the end of his show to debate that point with Billy. So instead, Tucker, he, he wants to try and steer things in a more religious direction. So you're describing a plague so. of spiders, really. I mean, not to get theological, um, but th- I think that's, that's what you've just outlined for us. How are you going to deal yes, with it? You know, um, there's a lot of different ways of doing it. I don't think chemicals would be a smart move with that many spiders because we have a lot of non-target pests and animals that'll try to eat the poisoned uh, one. So it's just not good. Right. I think the best way to deal with it is when um, 
they start to accumulate on the ground somewhere. They have these industrial vacuum cleaners with a 12 inch hose. Uh, they run on gasoline and they will suck a dead raccoon up. Uh, they certainly can handle a job like this. Just suck them all out off the ground and they'll be dead. Given the rising price of gasoline, I wonder if a broom might work. Yeah. Any, anything you got, man. I mean, uh, <laughs> smash it with a boot, you know, whatever, whatever man. Because, I mean, it's coming. I mean, it, this isn't our only problem. We got a lot of insect issues that are going to become a problem in the near future from the climate change, harp. So. <laughs> so. Get you a dead raccoon vacuum. <laughs> um, so. Well, no, you, you can't afford a dead raccoon vacuum. Just grab a broom and join the <laughs> resistance. <laughs> um, so there are a couple of things going on there. One, uh, I, I know band name jokes are overplayed, but goddamn if Plague of Spiders isn't going to be my metal man name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then Billy the Exterminator, he went back to climate change as a, as a cause of this there, but then also mentioned HARP. That's the High Frequency Active Oral Research Program located in Alaska. Um, th th this was a research program jointly funded by the Air Force, the Navy, the University of Alaska Fairbanks, and DARPA. And it's essentially, a, it's, a, it's an ionospheric research program. Its main purpose is about investigating like ionospheric enhancements as ways to um, improve radio communications and potential like surveillance stuff. And the reason that it kind of falls into conspiracy crosshairs, they have this instrument called the Ionospheric Research Instrument, or IRI, which is a, a high-powered radio frequency transmitter, and it does like temporarily excite a, a small area of the ionosphere and change the temperature. And so because of that... It's become like a conspiracist thing that's mentioned all the time as like a, a weather weapons thing um, or like a, a, a way that the 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 elites have secret weather control. Um, and that's a bunch of bullshit. But apparently Billy the Exterminator believes both in man-made climate change and weather control weapons, which you don't often see in conjunction. Yeah, and so so there's there's someone who's who's controlling the weather but climate change that's too far or climate change is fake that's too far for me and then uh and tucker isn't interested in exploring either of those topics he's more concerned that we we need to repent because we have this biblical plague of spiders so anything a homeowner like can do uh yes sorry go ahead ricky sounds like what Yes, sir. Uh, anything that the homeowner can do as far as getting rid of uh, mosquitoes or flies or any type of thing that the spider can eat on, then that mm -hmm. will really help to shoo them away from your property and have them go elsewhere searching for food products. That makes can sense. you ever open this thing up? Yeah. Sounds like we, we should We got a spider too. in here. Uh, at this point, Billy is trying to open a container in which he has one of the spiders and he can't get it open. Uh, don't open it. What do you, <laughs> what do you mean? Is that, oh, is yeah, that for sure. We've, I mean, we've only we all got, got about repent. 15 seconds left. Show, show us the spider really quick. Horrify yeah, us yeah. one last time, if you would. Yeah, that's all right. Okay, <laughs> so um, these things are have a three-inch diameter. God, I was trying to get this thing out here. But, yeah, all um, right. i got to get to Sean that. Hannity in three right. seconds, but that, that spider's horrifying. Yeah, yeah. I hope you kill it. Gentlemen, thank you.
And my favorite thing about that is that Tucker introduced the segment. He was like, we're going to be invaded by spiders. Not making this up. This is a new show. But then in the segment about this, this spider invasion, he doesn't tell us the name of the spider, the reason that they're invading, where they might be found, how to identify them, nothing. It's just, it's talk to Billy the Exterminator about uh, repenting from a plague of spiders and, and getting a big vacuum, I guess. <laughs> so, it, yeah. So if this is, if this is a new show, it is a shitty one. I came away from that with no relevant information. Yeah. And then. Like, I feel like the only substantive question he asked was, how do we get rid of them? And then he ignored the advice of the person that he brought on. <laughs> Just get a broom. <laughs> yeah. I I would not trust a broom to kill a spider this big. Like, they're not, they're not small. <laughs> and like, I was trying to read about, um, like, th- these things, they don't seem to be house spiders. They're more likely to... Uh to build webs kind of like along the along the outer perimeter of your house or like in your garden um or like okay. on, the, on the outskirts of forests um and they they're not harmful to humans i because they are invasive i, I tried to look into like if there's concern for an environmental impact and at this point the the consensus seems to be we don't really know um but there's no reason to think it's going to be catastrophic yet and there's a possibility that they might even eat some other invasive bug species. So it could be in that positive. Okay. Yeah, cool. And like they suggested getting rid of mosquitoes to keep the spiders away, but like, why don't we just invite the spiders so that they eat the mosquitoes? That seems like a better, a better I, world to me. <laughs> yeah. Like I, uh, I, 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 once, once the snow melts, I'm, I'm going to be building a fucking bat house because like, well, for one, bats keep getting in my basement, and then my cat tries to kill them. But, um, uh, but like, my impression they, is that he has been succeeding to kill them. Uh, so I, I haven't, I haven't let him finish any of them off. Both of the, both of the bats that he's caught, I've been able to release outside. Um, oh God! Okay, I, I, I can't speak to whether or not they made it long after, but they they successfully flew away from me. So, as far as okay. I'm concerned, right. that's the yeah, end yeah. of the story. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but my point is like things that you don't want in your house because they seem gross, like bats and spiders, can help control actual pests like mosquitoes. So, uh, I guess that's our big takeaway today. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was fun. I feel so bad for those guys. He just like made like he made a super awkward situation for them because they're like, "Hey, we brought you, we brought you a, a thing to show you." Uh, he's like, oh, sorry, I got to get to Hannity later. <laughs> yeah. like, and he's been doing this thing I've noticed a bunch of times where when he's handing it off to Hannity, um, if he's ending a show early, he's like, we're, we're going to give it to Sean Hannity three seconds early. And then Hannity is like, it, uh, th- thank you, Tucker. I'll take it. And it almost seems like a weird flex. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so that is all I've got for today, because um, I've been wanting to go over some of the Katanji Brown-Jackson stuff, because I think we're going to hear a lot of that in the coming weeks. Um, thought there was a good opportunity to go over some of these court proceedings, and uh, we can't let an animal segment slip by us, so. Of course not. Yeah. Um, Tyler, what is our sworn enemy? My sworn enemy is whoever is in charge of scheduling uh the animal segments because they're not inviting tara on every day make tara a co-host god damn it 
Yeah. <laughs> Tucker and Tara is catchy. <laughs> Sounds like, like a like a nice morning show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I think most of our audience has been listening to us for a long time, but a really a while ago, uh, he invited on a, a lady who has chickens just as pets and she sleeps with them. And she was very wholesome and it was lovely. Yeah, it was delightful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then... Most uh, fun thing that's ever happened on Tucker's show. And we did... Uh, so this episode is going to come out on the 14th. Um, the 10th was uh, the, the 10th of this month was the one-year anniversary of Tucker Doubt. So I, I, I did want to... Probably maybe shouldn't have blindsided you with this. But I did want to see quick... Um, do you have any, like reflections or takeaways from a year of covering Tucker Carlson? Uh, um, I guess, um, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say he's like, he's not getting worse, but like, I need to learn to, to laugh at him because he's really, really ridiculous all the time even and like he talks about really serious shit sometimes and that makes me want to that makes me want to take him like super seriously all the time but sometimes he's just a doofus and uh, and i guess i'm learning that i guess yeah no i i certainly wasn't i certainly wasn't expecting when we went in like as much i didn't expect it to be as much of a fucking clown show um yeah yeah and but at the same time i think like you like you also referenced like kind of right off the bat he was worse than i expected like i and some of the things like i figured that tucker wasn't going to be like an ally for the trans community but just the the level of open vitriol toward trans people has consistently been shocking to me especially early on yeah for sure Um, and like you know, he's like an open white nationalist, and I think I'm just kind of used to that now. <laughs> yeah, and like the 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 escalation we've seen, even in just a year of him saying great replacement theory by name. Or That's go- true. I forgot about that. Or going to Hungary or making a documentary about George Soros or um the the whole Patriot Purge thing. Like there, I feel like there's been a lot of a lot of really fast escalation uh, in the time that we've been, we've been talking about him and it makes me worry for where things no, are you're, headed. You're totally right. Um, and that's why it was, al- it was almost weird to see how the Ukraine thing played out and that like, he sort of choked. Like he, he, it seemed like he was gearing up to go, to go full fascist. And then he, he, once the invasion happened, he choked and was like, well, I mean, obviously Putin is bad. And it was weird to see that he's still sort of beholden to public decency in, in at least some respect. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I would probably argue that uh, is basically full fash. The Russia thing does surprise me. I, I'm not sure what he was afraid would happen if he if Because if, it feels to me like he suffers no consequences for anything ever. Yeah. Like someone's mean to him on Twitter or something. And that's the end of it. And then uh, it, it, as far as like how covering Tucker Carlson for a year has affected us, because um, I, I recently went back and listened to all our older episodes and something that became really clear to me is that 
this this year of talking about Tucker every week has made us both more cynical. <laughs> like we are both way more cynical than we were when we started out. That might be correlative. I don't know if it's if it's causative because like life has sucked the past couple of years, dog. Like <laughs> that's true, and like, I, I was really like. Honestly, I think probably the uh, the the, living through the Biden administration so far has has been at least um, disenchanting to me that like like the idea that things can be made substantively better through the normal channels or through the system as it exists. Um, has become a lot less convincing to me over the course of the, the Biden's presidency. So that might yeah. be part of it too. Yeah, I think the best thing that can happen from the Biden administration is that people realize that milk toast liberals are not what we need right now. Um, and that opens the door for more progressive candidates. Um, but because we live in America, like I, something tells me that's unlikely. Like, like I texted you something the other day about... Um, they they just the Congress passed and Biden signed a bill to eliminate um, mandatory mandatory arbitration, but only for sexual assault cases. And it's like, what? I mean, that's a good. It's better than not doing it. But why yeah, can't you? It's, but it's always a half measure, right? Right. Like you 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 can't you can never you can never do anything all the way. And it's because compromise is viewed as like the mature moral thing to do. And it's like, no, sometimes it's, if something is evil, like mandatory arbitration, the good thing to do is just get rid of it. And you're not like some highbrow, you're not better for having compromised and gone halfway on that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That That's like the biggest thing with Democrats right now is they're, they're doing this, reach across the aisle bullshit but like you can't reach across okay if you are a democrat that that sounds like i'm talking about parties um if you believe that democracy is important and good you can't reach across the aisle to fascists yeah and come to compromises you can't like you can't you can't do that you just have to yeah like you you can't you can't expect the system to work if you're constantly trying to compromise the people who want to destroy it yes yeah and i I'm always worried about about sounding like um um like a statist, but like we can't have people working in the government who want who actively want that government not to work. And we have a whole party of that and they're popular because of it. And then it's like, why does that work? And part of the reason is that you have people like Tucker Carlson with large platforms. But I mean then you have to ask, why is Tucker popular? Well, it's because there are a lot of actual problems. There are a lot of real reasons for people to be unhappy. Like we were talking about the gas prices thing. Like, and no, it's it, it's it is a lie that it's just Biden's fault that gas prices are high. But that doesn't change the fact that 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 hurts people who don't have a lot of money in like a very real yeah. way, and they have a legitimate reason to be angry. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I was going to I was going to bring this up a minute ago. Um you mentioned that uh, you mentioned the they they banned forced arbitration but only sometimes. They also like um was it the the child tax credit that cut child poverty in half? Yeah. Like why not cut child poverty in whole? 
I mean, it's it's really important that we keep some poor kids, Tyler. <laughs> exactly. Like, why? Like, so that I don't know. Like, the, it's just this really weird. And yeah, what what are you just not going to have kids starve? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy just, talk. Like, we've always had kids starve. It's tradition in this country. It's it's so dumb. Um, <laughs> if you want no children to starve, that's disrespectful to the people who built this country. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It's really weird, and I don't get it. Yeah, so I, I, I guess to summarize our, uh, our our reflections on one of your covering Tucker, it's that Tucker sucks, but th- there are a lot of problems that exist independent of him, and part of what makes him effective is that he's able to exploit those problems um, in a way that furthers white nationalist ends. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I was having a conversation with a friend of mine a while ago and i might have mentioned this on the show before but i i it kind of occurred to me it feels like when a society goes through hard times people either come to the conclusion that we need to fix the system or it's all the jews fault and like we're going through hard times right now and tucker's blaming the jews (laughs) and that Uh, like and one is so much easier than the other you know if like because yeah, like, yes. fixing fixing the system requires work and it requires everybody to like be an active participant and active in advocating for the world they want to live in and yep. it's fucking hard as opposed to just there's a group of people who are making everything bad we should if we should get rid of them and everything will be good that's so much fucking easier yes yes it's an easy solution to a complicated complicated problem um but but the but the root of all that is just the material conditions for workers are poor and we need to improve them. Otherwise things are going to get worse. And that is no easy task. Yeah. All right. I, uh, that's probably enough, um, enough self-indulgence for, for one episode. (laughs) So (laughs) we will be back next week. Um, I, I meant to say this at the beginning, but I, I'm wanting to try a new release schedule because um, we usually record on Sunday and then editing takes me several hours. So if we finish recording in like the late afternoon, then by the time I'm done editing, I'm like falling asleep at my desk and it takes much longer. And I don't think that that's like conducive to um, making the best episode that I can in any case. So um, what I wanted to try was maybe releasing their uh, releasing our regular episodes on Wednesdays and then our mini episodes on Fridays. So I'm looking at try I'm I'm looking at piloting that for next week. If anybody had listening has any like serious objections to that, feel free to let me know and I'll think about it. Um but yeah, that's that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, do uh do what's good for you, Troy. <laughs> I I remember uh I I never realized but like the i think you mentioned a while ago like the the episodes for viewing don't come out until like the day after so you so you can't really watch the friday episode until saturday or something right yeah so so yeah like we're kind of stuck in recording on like sunday morning or saturday night at the earliest but we've basically never do that um so so yeah sticking to a monday schedule seems like a, a losing game and uh I I don't know. 
I don't want to be the overshare guy, but I think both of us uh, are having a shitty winter. Yeah, my, uh, my 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 brain has not been super kind to me these last few weeks. So, but yeah, uh, we will be back um, with another episode for you. In the meantime, we do have a website. It is tuckeredoutpod.com. Um, you can email the show, uh, tuckeredoutpod at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at tuckeredoutpod. There's a Facebook group, Wokaristas. And uh, if you want to support the show, you can do that on Patreon or PayPal. Um, or I, I'm also going to link in the show notes some uh, some organizations that can help um provide aid to ukrainian refugees if you if you yeah. if you have money to uh to, to put toward that um we absolutely encourage that it's a much worthier cause than us right now so yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know why i didn't think to do that uh do that last week yeah i know me either I, it, it, it occurred to me and it was oh yeah i some people do listen to this show. And so like to those that are still listening at this point, after we've meandered about ourselves for 20 minutes or something, um, yeah. if you have the means that that'd be a good thing to do. Uh, Cause people need help right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is pushing against my, my mind conception that this is all fake and people don't actually listen. <laughs> <laughs> like. Yeah. So uh, support Ukrainian refugees if you can, and uh, listen to us if you want to. And do not watch Tucker's show, even if you do want to, because I'm doing that for you. And do try to enjoy Indeed. your life. Thanks for listening. Buck up. It's going to get better. <laughs>